You know, my wife and I were, were trained by some of the, the best evangelical leaders in, our, in, our, in the, the nation. One of them was from Chicago. Actually, a couple of them were from Chicago. You, you may not know the name Lance Latham, but Lance Latham was the head, and I was going to say he invented Awana, but he didn't invent it. He, he birthed the Awana clubs. Uh, approved workmen are not ashamed. That's what they want. And it's basically a Bible memory club for, for young kids. And he taught me Romans uh, from memory. He was blind uh, in his probably early 80s. And uh, so I, I had, we had just great Bible teaching from some of the finest in the evangelical world. But that didn't prepare me for what we faced in the jungle. We were tribal missionaries. We lived for eight years um, in a rainforest, um, a total abandoned, like you can't even find it on the map, rainforest uh, in La Frontera de Colombia y Panama, right on the border of Panama and Colombia where the drug cartel had set up base. And there we were nestled into that, uh, that small village of about 600 people. And they spoke a language that had never been written down. I'll never forget flying in the very first time we took uh, our, our three kids and my wife and I, and we, we come in and assess the 185 tricycle gear with special design tires and stall package, and, and, and we come bouncing <laughs> into this jungle airstrip. If you know anything about aviation, it's like a 14, 1,500-foot airstrip. Dude, that is very short, okay? So we come bouncing to a halt, and I get out of the plane, and the first words I hear in my ear is, Kill Brian. Kill Brian. First one man, and then another, and then another, and then they all started jumping up and down. Kill Brian. Kill Brian. What a welcome, you know? Gosh, I was going to be a, a quick martyr. Get off the plane. They kill him. I, I didn't know what in the world is happening. And one of, one of the men could speak a little bit of Spanish, and he came over and whispered in my ear, La palabra kill in nuestra lengua. He said, the word kill in our language means uncle. They're celebrating Uncle Brian has come. <laughs> uncle Brian. I, so that was my first lesson of cross-cultural communication. It's, it's never what you think it is. You have no clue. And for the first year plus, we're in there, and they're, they're talking away, and, and I had no idea what they're saying. And, the only way you learn if a language has never been written down, I pointed. I pointed to a tree. What's that? They gave me a word. I wrote it down phonetically as I was trained as a linguist and wrote it down. And then here's this big boulder over here. I went and pointed to that. I said, what's that? I got my second word. So excited. And then a cloud came over and shade, you know, uh, came over the, over the village and and I pointed, I knew I would get sky or cloud or shade or something. So I pointed and said, what's that? They gave me my third word. I looked at them. I'd written it all down phonetically. I looked at it. I go, that's the same word. Every time I pointed and said, what's that? They said, your finger, stupid. <laughs> so the first phrase I learned in the Payakuna language was, your finger, stupid. <laughs> they don't point with their finger. They point with their lips. So everything from their food to their clothing, they did have some, uh, 
to everything was like just totally different. We we learned to live without electricity and running water and Diet Coke and and Snicker candy bars and we had none of that. But we had the Spirit of the Lord, and He helped us and He empowered us and enabled us in a short time. I mean, I look back now and it's really uh, not common for a, for a person to learn a language and begin teaching in it in the period of time that we did. The Lord helped us, and thankfully. Uh, we were a co-translator for the Payakuna New Testament, and uh, they now have the New Testament in their language. They've got uh, the Word of God. The church gathers twice a, a, a day in the morning before they go out to their fields, and then at night they gather and worship the Lord. Uh, I'm just so, so blessed to have that heritage. I remember when we left thinking, you know, God, you're going to have to give me a bigger vision. Uh, you know, you called us to here, and now you're calling us back to North America. What, what do you want for us? I remember, still remember that day there on the shore um, there in Panama City, just, just asking the Lord, what, what do you have for us? And then shortly afterwards, I heard the audible voice of God, and he, he sent us back to the U.S. and, and uh, eventually up to Connecticut where we pastored a great church there. And uh, after pastoring 18 years, um, we saw a lot of miracles. We saw a lot of things take place that really convinced us that God is about to break loose in the Northeast. And uh, when things were going really great, the Lord said, hand it over to the next generation. So we did that. And, uh, you know, so that meant, w once again, I'm saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? What, what is your plan for my wife and I? Uh, and I thought she would get a dream like she normally does. It's so cool, you know, it's better than the lotto. I, you know, I, you, you don't even have to punch any buttons. You just let her sleep and wake up, boom. And we've got all these prophetic revelations and words from the Lord and blah, blah, blah. But she didn't have a dream. It never came. But, but I had a visitation. And I was commissioned in this divine encounter. I'm understating it. But I was commissioned by the Lord uh, to do this translation project that we began eight years ago. And at the time... It's like, God, I, I'm not known as a Hebrew or Greek scholar. What, what do you want me? Why do you want me to do this? Isn't there somebody else? You know, you kind of whine and moan and complain and say, God, you, you know, you got to make a mistake here. But uh, he promised that he would help me. And he has for the last eight years. We completed the New Testament February, almost a year ago in Bethlehem. I was in Bethlehem with a tour with uh, George and Winnie Banoff, our friends. And we were there in... Uh, in Bethlehem and I finished even so come quickly Lord Jesus you know Revelation 22 and pushed back from the desk and cried like a little kid and, and said Lord this is just a dream come true you're really helping me with this now we're doing the book of Isaiah it'll be out uh, before the year's over but yeah I hope you guys will start uh, every year I encourage people to read a different translation and why don't you make 2018 the year that you read the passion translation all right okay now for my six-hour sermon. <clears throat> I want you to turn in your Bible to Exodus 15. I want to read to you, starting in verse 22. Turn in your Bible or open your app or iPad. Buddy, okay in this Lutheran church? I want to talk to you about how God uses difficulties 
to make us into mighty warriors. And, you know, ultimately, the, God has the right to bring anything He chooses in your life to make you more like Christ. God has that right. And now you can stay underwhelmed or you can say amen at any time. But it's really true. And you and I both wish we were the ones that could choose what comes into our life. And if we were the ones, we would choose sunshiny days, bluebirds singing over the rainbow somewhere. And we would, we would choose, you know, a very cushy and comfortable lifestyle. But God knows how to make mighty ones. And he does it through that unusual thing. It's a four-letter word you're, you're going to wish I would never speak. All right? Especially from church. Here it is. Here's a four-letter word. Wilderness. <laughs> it's the wilderness. And the, the Hebrew word for wilderness comes from a verb that means to speak. That is, God speaks in the desert. And it's the place he speaks to his people. Most miracles in the Bible were not in church services. They weren't in conferences. They were in desolate, desperate, difficult places and situations. It was apart from the conveniences of congregations. Now, Jesus did work miracles in the synagogues, and we thank God for that. But as you look at specifically the Old Testament, you see all of the miracles that God worked in that de desert experience. Lord, open our hearts today so wide that you put a new chip inside of us to interpret life from the lens of mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. So listen up, everybody. Verse 22, Exodus 15. Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. I call it, yeah, sure. So they went from one miracle into a desert. For three days, they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That's why the place is called Marah. Marah is the Hebrew word bitter. So the people grumbled against the pastor, I mean against Moses said, what are we going to drink? It's your fault. You brought us here, bro. Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. The Lord showed him a tree, and he took a stick from the tree, threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord issued a decree for them and put them to the test. He said, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands, keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord, your healer. I am the Lord who heals you. Isn't it interesting where the healing began in the Bible? This is the first reference to healing as the Lord, as our healer. It was in a desert. Then they came to Elam. Elam means mighty ones. 
They came to Elam, where there were 12 springs, 70 palm trees, and they camped there near the water. It's so fascinating how you can go from a wonderful, heavenly, divine experience, a mountaintop of like emotional rush, like a high point with God. And then not too long afterwards, you're confronted with a test. I don't know much, but in my brief life, I've learned that, that whenever I have these wonderful divine encounters, I'm always tested by it. It's kind of like Jesus. You know, you are my son in whom I'm well pleased. The Spirit fell on him at his baptism, and immediately the Holy Spirit drove him where? Into a wilderness. Led him. Compelled him to go into the wilderness. The same word for driving him into the wilderness is the word used in the Bible elsewhere for driving out demons. So he was forced by God's plan to go to this wilderness place where he was tested. Now the servant's never above his master. And the testings of our life have been uh, preordained and orchestrated. And could I say they have been measured, limited for its severity. Every test, difficulty, whether it's a family issue at home right now, an unresolved health matter, a finances that just aren't quite what you really need to get going, whatever limitation, barrier, hindrance has been limited and sifted through the loving hands of God so that you can bear it, so that you'll be able to go through this. So what an unusual message I bring to you after the lovey-dovey kissy stuff for two days. But I, I, you know, I really feel the Holy Spirit leading me to share that there's someone, some of you here today that have gone through a very difficult wilderness, a barren time. You know, it's, it's dry and dusty. It can be really hard, kicking sand, you know. Like, why am I going through this? Why am I limited right now in my life? Well, God has a plan. Now, Israel, the Hebrews, as they came out of Egypt, what a miracle of deliverance, Passover. I mean, awesome, by blood and by power, the ten principalities over Egypt, like ten fingers of the devil, one by one, came off of God's people by those ten plagues. They were judgments against principalities. And as the Lord freed his people, they came out only to experience the wilderness of Shur. Sure is the word for a wall. You ever felt like your back's up against a wall? And the Lord led them through that chute, through that fenced wall experience, and he led them into a place where they had uh, the Red Sea on one side and a wall on the other. And you know why God did it? To entice Pharaoh to come out after him. So all of Pharaoh's you know, Yul Brenner and all the, all the chariot guys, and the, they come racing out of Egypt against Charlton Heston and uh, Christian Bale. And, and, and here they come, and, and it was a setup, wasn't it? And, and God took the wilderness to lead them to a miracle. And I prophesy to you, that your desert, your, and I may only be speaking to four people. I have a feeling it's more. <laughs> but what you're experiencing now in a limited, what God has allowed to come into your life is, is 
going to give way to a miracle. Your breakthrough's coming. If you have a mess, you've got a miracle in the making. You can't have a miracle without a mess. You've got to have a mess before you get a miracle. So if you've got a mess, <laughs> get ready. You're about to have a miracle. So it, it's almost like the wandering of, of uh, the Hebrew people through the wilderness becomes a supernatural picture and an example and a warning, it says in 1 Corinthians 10, for us upon whom the ends of the ages have come, the fulfillment of all God's ultimate plan for the ages is now upon this generation. And we can look back at that wilderness trek and we can gain insight. Is that okay? That God teaches us through our hardships. You know, as we are preparing for the mission field, uh, we, we, um, I, I could, you know, bore you all day with the stories of what we endured and went through. But uh, right when we were about ready to go, I developed some bizarre health problem. My heart just started quitting, and I would pass out. Uh, you know, I'd be standing one minute and, on the f and just pass right out, fainting. And uh, they took me into the hospital, and, and they, the doctors, cardiologists from all over the world were trying to figure out what was wrong with me. And I just keep fall, uh, passing out. And they tried to get me up on the stress treadmill test. <laughs> oh, are you kidding? I got about three steps, and boom, I was gone. And I still remember 10 days in the hospital. The only good thing about it is I got to see the entire World Series that year. <laughs> but the, uh, after the 10 days, the doctor came in, and I was sitting in a chair in the, in the half gown with the breeze on the back, you know. I was sitting in the chair. And he said, you know, we're going we're gonna to send you home. We, we just don't even have a clue what's going on with you. And, as, and that's the last thing I heard. And I passed right out, right there in the chair. I go, God, you called us to the jungle. You called us to be missionaries. What, what is this? And then my best friend from high school suddenly came into the room. His name was Doug. I won't even tell you the darkness Doug and I were involved with. We were not good for each other, believe me. But he came in the room, and he heard I was in the hospital, dying or whatever, and he, he wanted to visit me. And over the course of a few days, we led Doug to the Lord. Doug became a believer. He received Jesus. And when he did, I instantly was healed. And my the, the doctor, as strange as it was, what was afflicting me, the doctor said, it's even more strange. We have no clue now why you're okay. I said, well, I know, and I don't need to tell you, I know, I know why I'm healed. I needed to have that time with Doug. Doug needed Jesus. And a miracle came out of that. I mean, a real miracle, because we needed money to get to the jungle, and Doug was a race car driver. If you, if you know racing, he had a couple of rails. Rails are the real long car with the bicycle wheels in the front and the big slicks in the back. He had a couple of those, all right? So he, after he gets saved, he came and said, You know, Brian, God's telling me I need to sell one of these rails and give you the money to go to the jungle. Miracle number two. It was so embarrassing. He, he, was, he was convinced he had to give it to me in $100 bills. And he did it in church. So we're, the church is over, and we're at the back, and here he's counting out all this money. It's like we're doing a drug deal in the back of the church. You know? I mean, 
I said, Doug, that's okay. You don't need to cast. Just thank you. Just stuff it, you know. And, and, and you know, that's miracle number three. Miracle number four is Doug and his wife ended up following our footsteps and ended up going to Papua New Guinea as jungle missionaries and changed an entire village that came to know Jesus. So you never know. Yeah, give Jesus. Come on, no golf clap for Jesus. I mean, gosh, you never know what you're going through right now. The sweet thing that's going to yield from it. Now, I, I got I to gotta catch a plane here in, in a bit, so I can't keep you here more than another four hours. But, you know, the, the thing about the miracle with Moses is the Lord showed him a tree. Has the Lord showed you the tree? Where, the, where bitterness is made sweet? A tree called Calvary? Where Jesus hung there, riveted to that tree as the sweet Savior of the world, bled to death for you and for me. And the, the crimson drops of love that spilled from the wounds, his five wounds that came out for you and for me. And that makes any bitter thing sweet. I don't care what abuse, what pain, what rejection. Uh, I don't care what your ex did or said. What Ever you pass through, there is a sweetening tree, and it's not artificial sweetener. It is the real, mm, mm, makes that bitter water sweet, and you can actually drink from the thing that once caused you pain, that once was undrinkable, that was just, ugh. why did I go through that? And you go back, and you take a drink after the tree comes into that water. It becomes sweet. There's another story in the Bible kind of like it. It's about uh, one of the judges. His name was Sammy. Samson. Samson, his name means sunbeam. sunbeam. I wouldn't, wouldn't advise you to call him that, but that's, that was what Samson's name means. And the guy had an issue with the girls, and he wanted a wife so bad that he wouldn't, uh, he wouldn't follow mom and dad's help. Uh, and he, he went out after, you know, he went on P-Harmony, PhilistineHarmony.com. And he went out after a Philistine wife. And on his way there, he had a lion encounter him and mauled him and came against him. You had anything like that happen to you lately? You know, and, and this was the Sphinx. It was the spirit principality over Philistia came against that breaker anointing on Samson and confronted him as he came into that territory. And what does it say? The Spirit of the Lord came on Samson. And what did he do to that lion, boys and girls? Whew. Yeah. I'd say that's better than WWF wrestling. That's pretty amazing. So he had his date. He had his fling. He came back a week or so later. And he said, you know, I want to go and look at the carcass of this lion. I want to go look at that thing. So he went over to the lion and Lo and behold, in the carcass of what brought him the most trauma, the most pain, was sweet honey. Honey in the carcass of a lion. If you'll turn aside and go back and look again at what you have had to go through, you will find the sweet revelation honey. Honey is always a picture of revelation in the scripture. You can get a handful. <laughs> you can scoop it up and go, that's why I had to go through that. You know, 
I, like I said, I could keep you here a while and tell you the stories and the trials and you know, our daughter that was bitten by a snake and nearly died, a five-foot-long bushmaster. Google it. You'll see that ugly, filthy thing. And, and she was going into a coma. She's seeping blood out of the soft tissue of her eyes, nose, ears. And, and uh, man, did I learn how to be a prayer warrior at that time. This Baptist boy suddenly got anointed as an intercessor. I didn't come here to bury my daughter, God. I don't want to go back to America and tell everybody that you weren't bigger than a snake. And I had to bury my own daughter in the jungle. I mean, I got... You don't want to be around me when I pray some of that kind of prayers. As I'm praying, hornets stinging me materialized in the room and began to sting me. Hornets. I knew where this was coming from. And I said, God, I can't take this. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. You're faithful. You will not allow me to be tested beyond what I'm able to endure. And I can't endure this. you got to get rid of these things. And they disappeared. I tell you what, when our daughter came back into the village, healed. They were astounded because we bury people in the, in the jungle there that had been bitten by that snake. My sweet seven-year-old daughter, Joy. Two quick stories, real short, and then we'll quit. Witch doctor came from another village into our jungle village there on the river, uh, the Pucaro River. And he had this weird spiritual ability. He could eat glass. I don't mean plastic. I don't mean Dixie cup. I mean vidrio, glass. And he ate this glass, ate it right in front of me while all the men were laughing and mocking. And then they handed me one and said, let's see what your God can do. So I took that glass and I, I didn't eat it. I called my seven-year-old daughter, Joy. Come, come, sweetheart, come sit on daddy's lap. I said, this is what my God could do. What creepy God would make you eat glass? I put it right back on him. Bro, I put it right back on him. I said, what kind of God would let you eat glass as a way to show his power? This is what Almighty God can do. The Lord is my healer. He healed my daughter. So that's miracle number one that came out of that snake bite. And that brought a revival into the village. Miracle number two. I told you we handed our church over to the next generation. It was my daughter and her brilliant husband. Very brilliant. He married our daughter. He was my executive pastor. And, and he and Joy ended up taking the church. What a, what a sweet ending to a desert-like experience. So to wrap it up, folks, there's some sweet endings coming. And right now, it looks like, how are we going to get a building? Where are we going to go? But the Lord says, I'm going to give you something old and new. I'm going to give you something old and new that's not even far from here, says the Lord. And I'm going to give you the ability to raise the finances that are needed in such a way that God will be glorified, the city will be astounded, and believers will declare the works of heaven. And I'm going to give to you 
a new opportunity to reach this city, says the Lord. I'm going to open doors, and out of limitation and what seems like lack, I'm going to move you from the upper room down to street level, and I'm going to bring you into the glory of my heavens, says the Lord. You're going to have dreams and visions and a proliferation of miracles as the city itself takes note. So Charles is now in town. Let the favor of God rest on Life Church. Let the favor of God rest on your leaders. And every one of you realize that whatever mess you have walked in and through this last season, it could be a loss. It can be a financial reversal. It can be a failed relationship. It can be a dysfunctional issue in your heart or in the heart of someone you love. But I'm saying to you in the name of Jesus, your miracle is coming. Your miracle is coming. Your mess is going to bring a miracle. Even a leper can release a move of God. Four lepers outside of Samaria, the gates of the city, they're starving to death. The people in the city, what are they eating? Dove's dung and ass's head. That's what the church has been feeding on. Where the spirit was... And the mind of man. Ass's head. Excuse me. Donkey's head. We'll get it out of King James. These lepers said, if we go in the city, we're going to starve. Let's go to the enemy's camp and see if they'll feed us. What happened? Those four ragged, sore infested lepers drugged their bones their carcasses outside the city and they went towards the enemy's camp and the feet of the shuffling lepers released a mighty move of God in the heavens and the people the enemy the camp of the enemy heard the sound of another army coming against them and they all skedaddled that's the Hebrew word and the lepers came in and starving lepers. And here they are with all the robes, the riches, the food, you know, the banana bread that's warm on the fire and all the stuff. This is, and they just can't believe the miracle that happened. In one day, God can turn it around. Would you stand and let me decree over you that turnaround day has come for you. <sighs> Lord, thank you. Thank you, thank you for the miracles that you're going to bring in this house and through the leadership of this family. Lord, I thank you that evangelism is going to be a flame in this house. Lord, we ask for more evangelists, prophetic evangelists, authentic evangelists, signs and wonders evangelists. I don't know if I can even do this evangelist. Lord, let a harvest take place. Put the golden sickle in our hands. We want to reach the nations, but we want to start at St. Charles. So anoint this house, Lord, for greater works. Bring miracles out of mysteries. Let the desert bring us to delight. Let Mara's bitter waters become sweet. Take us to Elam's oasis. Take us in to the mighty ones that we will be like a camp of the mighty ones with 12 springs, ha, 70 palms. Do it, Lord. So I want to just call right now anybody that's been, I hope we have enough room down here, but I want to call you forward. Those 
that feel like I have been in this desperate wilderness place. I, I feel like I may be coming out of it, but not fast enough. Uh, or, or you could just be somebody today that's just hurting. And you, you just need to know God's with you in that desert place, that He's with you. He's going to take you by the hand. He'll be your tour guide to get out of it. And as you lean into Him, you'll come up out of that wilderness, my friend. If you'd like to have that special prayer that I want to pray over you, please come forward right now and let me pray for you. It could be moms that are concerned about a child. Yeah, like your is a son. Yeah, yeah, God's going to get a hold of him. He really is. I don't think he's even around here, is he? Where is he? Another state? Yeah, okay. You got two of them. They both need Jesus, right? What a beautiful mom you are. What a godly woman you are. And the Lord looks at your heart, my darling. He looks at your heart. And he says, I'm going after those boys. I'm going to go after them. I'm going to shake up their lifestyles a little bit. I'm going to shift them around and move them around. And the nest they think they built for themselves is not going to be as comfortable as they think it will be. And I'm going to stir their soul. I'm going to stir their soul. I'm going to speak to them in dreams and visions. And all you need to do is say yes to God and pray and let Him do the rest. He has a voice that will be heard. When they turn to the right and turn to the left, they will hear a voice. They will begin to be troubled by the Lord. God Himself is going to begin to trouble them so that they will turn and be steered to you. Look at this, guys. Anybody else, come on down if you want this prayer. Get it quick. It could be a health issue. You say, Lord, why am I still suffering? Uh, Somebody's got uh, arthritis pretty significantly that has brought you know pain a lot to you come right now and get healed of arthritis thank you god spinal issues are being healed skeletal issues are being healed even children there's a child that is here in this fellowship that has an issue with their spine god is going to bring dramatic alignment and healing to that one thank you father could be a marriage that oh my it needs a sweet touch from heaven come on guys i release over you the authentic joy and bliss my wife and i share we have to hide it from people sometimes all the you know put a sock in it we have to like get a room you know i mean what what we've got is so sweet and glorious and beautiful i release that over you you say well i'm single oh not for long baby I had so many singles coming to our church because weddings are us. We did more weddings. I had to hire a pastor full-time to do weddings at our church. The word got out. Singles came. Twice a year, we'd honor all the singles. I'd call them forward, and we'd bless them. So I bless you. If you're single, wave at me. All right, look around, guys, if they're single. Girls, look around. All right. Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. Miracles, miracles. How? Bam. Turn that mess into a miracle. I pray for godly spouses, godly marriages in this church. Let it be known as the place to go if you want healthy relationships and healthy marriages and and loving counsel and loving encouragement. Let it be. Yeah. My, I'm getting excited. I was kind of tired coming in and now I'm all caffeinated. Those two cups of coffee smiling at me, sweetheart. Jesus. Okay, those of you that came forward, lift your hands up right now. In the mighty name of Jesus, 
I decree by the authority of the ascended Christ, not in my name or my authority, but in the name exalted above every name, I decree the season has shifted. You are moving in the month of February into a new place in the Spirit of God. And the Lord is going to move powerfully in every heart, every family represented here, everyone with hands raised. Miracles, miracles are about to happen. Miracles are going to visit you. Businesses are going to explode with financial blessing. Some of you are going to start businesses, new revenue streams, open it up. Even in retirement, God can multiply finances to you. Children are going to come back. Prodigals coming home. Bring our sons and daughters from afar, Lord. Let them come. Let them come back to mama. Let them come back to papa, to dad. Bring the children into a wholesome, holy realm. More God. Supernatural healing miracles. Supernatural signs and wonders that astound St. Charles. Growth. Spiritual growth and numerical growth. This is the smallest this church will ever be. It will never be this small again. I release that over this beautiful fellowship. Now put your hand over your heart and say, that's for me. That word is for me. This message is for me. I'm coming up out of my wilderness. My bitter waters are going to be sweet. All the things I had to go through. It's going to result in supernatural breakthrough and miracles. I'm going to stop my complaining. Say it out loud. I'm, tell the person next to you, you're going to stop complaining. No more complaining. You got a glory cloud over your head. How can you murmur and complain when there's a cloud of glory? If you lift your gaze up higher, you will see the cloud over this church. The cloud of glory that's going to fall upon this family here, this church fellowship. So we crush and quarantine the virus of complaining, the flu. Let the flu fly out of here. We break the flu. Somebody didn't come to church today because of the flu. You're going to hear this before the day's over. God is healing you now in Jesus' name. Flu is going to fly away. So do it, Lord. And the next time we get back here, God, in that new building, with multiple services, young people everywhere, ministries just bulging and, and going throughout the streets, evangelists bringing the light of the gospel into St. Charles. Do it, Lord. I'm telling you, God's going to give you a building. Something old will become something new, and it will be very close to you. And you watch what God will do in this brand new day and this season that is new. I woke up hearing the word, seasons come and seasons go. So I Googled it. And it was the cheesiest country western song I ever heard in my life. I mean, bro, I, I, I'm into rap more than I am country. So forgive me, all the country folk. I was going to play it, but the, I'm telling you, seasons come and seasons go. And I'm telling you, you're in a season that's going right now. That season that you're in, that wandering season is over in Jesus' name. Give somebody a hug or a handshake near you, and let's give God praise here today. Thank you, Lord.